Hello, and welcome to the second episode of the Courtside Podcast, an NBA podcast. This episode is brought to you by YouTube's Highway Temptation and Captain Barbo. Want to laugh? Do you miss the quality content of the old days of YouTube? Or do you just want to talk about Sonic? Well, guess what? You can find it all on YouTube's channels of Highway Temptation and Captain Barbo. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Courtside Podcast. And April Fool's Day, I have to say, for everyone who's listening to it right now. However, a lot of the outcomes yesterday definitely fooled me. I mean, we talked about yesterday, Thursday, where the Pistons came back against Philadelphia in the fourth quarter, shooting 29 points, like nothing off of Kate Cunningham's 27 points for the game. And then a step back three to go to overtime with Brooklyn for Giannis Antetokounmpo in Brooklyn. It was really something that, I have to say, fooled my eyes when I first saw it. And we're going to start off the podcast with that wild Thursday that we had this week. And then later on, we're also going to go talk about the players that are coming back from injuries and the clinching of the spots that we have in the East now, and as well as the West, and just how that plays off for the rest of the year. So first off, as I said before in this segment, we'll go straight to wild Thursday. The Pistons come back against Philadelphia in the fourth quarter where they scored against the Sixers 29-15 to in that quarter. And they actually won the game 102-94 for the final. And I have to say the Pistons, Detroit, is one of those teams where out of nowhere they have a great, great night. Players are making everything from the perimeter. They're moving the ball well. And Hayes is actually attacking the rim. And Kate Cunningham is actually becoming the first overall pick or at least what we expect his play to be like as a first overall pick. And Sadiq Bey, for some reason, he always has one game in him, and it's always against a playoff contender. It's always a great game that he has. So that was from Pistons in Detroit. And then Atlanta, who actually, believe it or not, blowing out Cleveland, clinched their play-in spot, which means that the New York Knicks will not be eligible for the playoffs nor the play-in this year. And we'll have to wait till next season, unfortunately, which was kind of a shocker to a lot of people if you looked at what the expectations for the Knicks were beginning this year after their tremendous run in the playoffs and then the regular season last year. Plus, Julius Randle kind of, you know, shrunk down. And people say that, oh, it's Tom Thibodeau's second year. Wait till his second year. Wait till his second year. I I really don't believe that. And I really do believe that Julius Randle had a great year and then they just try to use him as much as possible. I mean, I went to a Knicks game. I believe a couple of weeks ago, and seeing them play in person, Evan Fournier is probably the most efficient player on that roster. And that's just for my opinion. You could probably say, oh, but what about quickly what they've done, or, or you know, Barrett, you know, the Canadian GOAT. But in reality, for me personally, Fournier, more experienced, great shooter, and has already developed himself in the game of the NBA. Not, nothing against Julius Randle and what he has done in the NBA so far, but I don't feel like Julius has made himself an offensive presence, of course, besides last year, the New York Knicks. So Atlanta does blow out Cleveland and had almost a quick injury scare with Trey Young in the first half where he came back in the third after getting checked into the locker room for a groin injury. However, he's fine now, but it is something that we have to track down as injuries late, basically the last week until the playoffs will basically mean doom for a player, no matter if it's a play-in or a playoff. And then, of course, what I mentioned before, the Bucks and Nets game was a wild one. An instant, not going to say classic, because this game was just yesterday, but it's definitely a game to remember 
of this season. I mean, Milwaukee wins at 120-119 over Brooklyn overtime. Giannis stepped back, three taking it overtime. He ends up having 44 points that game and honestly looked unstoppable. Unstoppable. He drives in, easy first quick step. He makes an easy dunk with a stretch of an arm above like a wingspan of what, like seven plus feet? And now he has a jump shot and a three. I mean, he's very dangerous. And I did say in the last podcast, I don't believe that he should be the MVP this year just because of, you know, his team will still be successful without him. But he is definitely probably the best player in the NBA right now. And right behind him is Kevin Durant. And speaking of KD and Giannis, Kevin Durant is 0-5 in the last few against Giannis. So it kind of, you know, paints out a picture that, you know, Giannis is getting the gap over this guy. And, of course, you know, the playoff series they had last year in the second round between Brooklyn and Milwaukee was almost as star-stellar as can be between James Harden, Kyrie, and KD at the time on Brooklyn's roster. And then, of course, the all-star cast of Holiday, Milton, and Giannis going back and forth, back and forth. And it's even more crazy to say that this could possibly be a first-round matchup. Of course, the Brooklyn Nets are eighth right now in the East and are in the play-in, which means that even though they're the eighth right now, they can easily move up to the seventh seed by just one game winning it against, of course, the current seventh seed, which has been going back and forth between Toronto and Cleveland. And we honestly won't know who really gets that seventh seed till probably the last day, the way things are shaping out in the East. However, another wild game there in Brooklyn. And then we go to the Chicago, and that one as well go into overtime against the Los Angeles Clippers. DeRozan drops 50 points that one. Now help the Bulls win it 135 to over 130. And that was a game that I'm not going to say I was surprised because I understand that Chicago has been a really great team throughout this year, but I was not expecting DeRozan to drop a 50-piece this late. Because see, I remember he was dropping 30 after 30 after 30 consecutive games right there in the franchise leading record right next to Michael Jordan with 30 games. But Man, to see a 50-piece coming out of him this late, I mean, that's that's definitely got to bring you some sort of, you know, awareness that, hey, you know, Chicago is still a team to be a threat of because DeRozan's out there on that court. So definitely a huge game out there for DeRozan dropping 50. The Milwaukee, crazy, probably the best game I have to say of the year, that Milwaukee game where they ended up going out and winning it by one in overtime. And funny enough, Kevin Durant had the last chance again in this game to actually win it for Brooklyn, just like he had a couple of weeks ago against the Mavericks. Same spot, same result, missed it off the rim. And then, of course, the Atlanta clinching a play-in by blowing out Cleveland, and the Pistons come back against Philly. And those were probably the most wildest games this week, which all happened on a Thursday, mind you. And as I did say before, with the Atlanta clinching a play-in spot, we're going to now look at the clinching spots throughout the entire NBA. So from the past week, the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics played Wednesday night. And that was a close game all the way down the stretch. However, the Heat, last few minutes, great defense, came out shooting skyrocket numbers from the three-point line. I mean, Kyle Lowry, I believe he had 16 shots from the field, and 12 of them were shot attempts from three. And, you know, he only made six, but at the same time, you know, if you're shooting the rock that much past the perimeter, it's pretty impressive. Because either that your screens are working or that player is just getting himself open from some sort of 
mixture of making space for himself from his handles or using off ball. So the Miami Heat clinched the first seed just off that win on Wednesday. And then when Cleveland's loss against Atlanta, the Celtics actually go on to get a clinch for the playoffs as they stand at the third seed. However, with Cleveland now being basically right there between the sixth and the fifth seed, they won't go anywhere close to the top four seeds. So the Celtics over Philadelphia from their loss, who now control the third seed and Philadelphia the fourth seed, they clinch a playoff spot. And so do Milwaukee after winning the Brooklyn Nets. And they seem to be in the second seed currently right now. Of course, you know, a lot of time down the stretch of this playoff push between all the teams in the East. However, Milwaukee, the best they can do is second seed as Miami has taken the first seed there. And with that being said, we go now to the West. Now, Memphis and Dallas over the week clinched a playoff spot for themselves. Memphis, of course, being right there below the Suns and then Dallas slowly but surely finding its way back into the third seed for the Western Conference, stepping over Golden State, who are basically tied with them at 48-29 record for both teams. However, Dallas beats them out in the tiebreaker, as well as conference play, speaking of which, 34-16 conference play for Dallas, as Golden State only has 28-19. However, the Clippers actually clinched a play-in recently as well over the week, which means that, in other words, that Los Angeles Clippers will definitely be having a playoff game, and I feel like it's going to be definite at home, unless the Pelicans actually go on and get a five-game win streak and Los Angeles somehow loses all of their games, no matter what it is, Los Angeles will have a home play-in series and it won't be the Lakers this time. It won't be the Lakers this time. As crazy as that sounds, and even more as crazy as it sounds, that the Western Conference Finals, well, Western Conference Finals appearance team, which was the Clippers from last year, will actually not make the playoffs. However, they'll play in, and we'll see where they come from there. Now, the last, I have to say, the East play-in and the playoff is just left to see now. There's no new teams. New York is gone. Magic are gone, Detroit are gone, all the other teams in the East are basically done and gone in case of play-in and playoff scenarios. The rest is just seeding out. And looking at the seeds right now, we're talking about Atlanta, Charlotte 9th, Brooklyn 8th, Cleveland 7th, right? And again, I mind you, still Toronto and Cleveland going back and forth right now, back and forth, back and forth. 4.5 games behind first place is Toronto at 6. And then at 7th seed, that, that Cleveland Cavaliers team is 7 games behind. Now, Chicago is 5th right now in the East and is 4 games behind the 1st seed. Or in other words, they're right there between Toronto and Chicago. So I don't believe that Cleveland will actually go on a win streak to get 3-plus onto Toronto to kind of catch up to be in contention for that playoff. But in reality, it seems pretty damn you know, set in stone. We're looking right now at Miami at number one, two Milwaukee, three Boston, four Philadelphia, five Chicago, and six Toronto. And that fifth and sixth seed will probably be mixing up back and forth nonstop. I don't feel like anybody else will really change at all. I mean, you never know about Boston, though, of course. Robert Williams is actually with the uh, with a parent knee injury that's going to take up almost four weeks. So 
with his absence. Who knows? I mean, they've been losing two straight, and that's probably been the first time they've lost back-to-back games in really this year in a long time, to be honest with you, probably more than two months. So the East looks like it's probably seeding itself out, which is a double-check on guys going back and forth. And also another interesting fact, the 8th through 10th seed is actually all of them nine games behind the first seed. They're all 40 and 37 records. So Brooklyn, Charlotte, and Atlanta, in these next few games, it could really make or break these teams. Because Brooklyn right now is actually in a scenario where they will have to play an away game against Cleveland, but still at the same time Brooklyn against Cleveland. Or they drop a couple of games. Charlotte comes out of nowhere and goes against Cleveland as Charlotte would take the eighth, not eighth seed and then Brooklyn drop the ninth seed. Or vice versa with Atlanta going all the way up there to the eighth seed from just playing phenomenal basketball if they do finish out this year. Because they already have four straight wins, and I don't think they're going to stop. I think their schedule, especially with that Southeast division, a lot of the teams they have to face are from that division left. That's the weakest division in basketball. That, and I know that we don't really pay attention to divisions in the NBA, but at the same time, when it comes down to the schedule, it's kind of a, an issue because those are going to be the teams that you have to face a majority of the time. I mean, you play against, you know, Eastern Conference teams maybe twice, three times, four times or whatever, but I mean, the majority of the times, those four times will end up being against teams in your division. So Atlanta will be in heavy favors there. I think Charlotte has a really good stretch of games. I mean, they only have one game win streak. Brooklyn, obviously, they're like a toss-up every single time you look at them. Even with Kyrie on the floor, they look great as it is. And I think the James Harden trade definitely helped them out big time. The fact now that they actually have depth in an actual bench, which would be efficient enough for their offense, it's huge. It's it's honestly remarkable to say that Brooklyn actually has a winning chance through their bench, which is great to hear if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan. I mean, Gordon Drogic is a huge part of that. Seth Curry is a huge part of that. Andre Drummond is a huge part of that. You know, I mean... Johnson's a huge part of that. A lot of the guys that came off of that trade with Philadelphia, they're huge parts of this team now, which probably is the best thing to hear because I'm not saying that the Brooklyn Nets won the trade, but we're going to have to see how far these teams go in the playoffs this year. So Brooklyn, Charlotte, and Atlanta are fighting right now between seeding. The Second through fourth teams are fighting right now between seeding, and the fifth and sixth seed are fighting out between seeding. And Cleveland is kind of in a uh, purgatory area right there in the seventh seed where they're about three or so games away from the sixth seed of taking it, and then at the same time, they're only two games ahead of everybody else in the play-in. But no matter what happens, all the teams in the East right now that are still eligible for the playoffs are still eligible for the play-ins. So in other words, they're basically there and they won't have any type of threats of not having an offseason. Or, or my apologies, a postseason. Now with that being done in a way for clinching at spots, go to the last part of the segment here in the sense of the NBA. The teams that could possibly turn around their season with a couple of guys coming back from injury. And we already saw it. I mean, Paul George dropped 34 points in his return on Tuesday against the Utah Jazz, and that was his debut since his uh, his injury. Now, I'm not saying that 
Paul George is going to be the answer for the Clippers. But, you know, they're also saying for a couple of reports that Kawhi Leonard might come back later on. And if you really want to still be afloat in the Western Conference, especially if it's the Clippers, and you have to go to a playing scenario, which it looks like possibly right now it would be Minnesota, you definitely want Paul George on that team because you want to make sure that Kawhi at least gets a chance to get on the court this year. And that, that's all you ask for, a chance. And I'm seeing the same thing for the Los Angeles Lakers. They could possibly make a movie-style comeback with Anthony Davis, who had a sprained foot injury from the 16th of February, as he comes back now with the Lakers without LeBron, are tied with the 10th seed. So this is huge. Now, this is a lot asking out of Anthony Davis. However, this was a guy that a lot of people said that were the top five players in the NBA that would include Anthony Davis or even rebuild a team around that would include Anthony Davis. This is a huge moment to add on another resume builder for Anthony Davis. Come back from a foot sprain injury. LeBron's gone with that twisted ankle, which honestly looked horrendous on some of the pictures on Twitter, I have to say. It looked like almost his ankle cut in half and his foot was on the edge almost like a 190 degree angle it was kind of weird but but Davis right now he could come back and actually do something for this Los Angeles team who is just struggling struggling to find a win and the last 10 games are two and eight on a four game losing streak and the worst part about it they're 16 and 30 against Western Conference play now, of course, in the West, there's not a lot of teams that are above 500 like there are in the East, but still 16 and 30 in Western Conference play. That's horrible this year. Because the remaining games are going to be against Western Conference players. And teams are going to be phenomenal because they want to make sure that they want to get the play in. Like tonight is actually probably the biggest game, I think, of the week. It's uh, at 10 30 p.m. on NBA TV. You can catch the Pelicans going against the Los Angeles Lakers. And if you end up catching that game, just know whoever wins that will most likely be successful to make the play-in. If the Pelicans win that, they go 28 games behind first place, and they keep pushing themselves inside the play-in, and they could clinch any time as they wanted to if they keep on at least winning three straight or four straight. And the Los Angeles Lakers, if they lose this one, they're going to be a game behind San Antonio, which gives the Spurs breathing room. And if the Spurs win another one coming up on this week, it would be devastating. And actually, speaking of which, same day, April 1st, tonight, Portland Trailblazers actually play against the Spurs. And this is going to be at San Antonio. So we can literally see basically what happens to that play-in position for the last spot by not only tonight, but within the coming days. But this will be the start of it. This will be the start of probably the most important games for both these franchises this year. And the Spurs against the Trailblazers. Spurs are obviously favorite at home. They have a 31-45 record, and the Trailblazers are 27-49. and And they're not technically out of the play-in yet. Mathematically, they're still there. However, of course, five straight losses for the Trailblazers. So they're not really changing anything soon. Now, the Lakers, of course, go against New Orleans, which I said before. And the Pelicans are on a two-game win streak and actually 6-4 and four in the last couple of games they've had. And I've seen them probably play some of the best basketball they've been playing recently. I mean, the team is on an upstart. And I honestly like New Orleans. I really do. 
like the coaching staff, like the front office and David Griffin. I like the idea that Brandon Ingram has become this all-star caliber player that we can actually see and say that we can't guard him unless we have another guy that's at least the same size as him. You know? I mean, I just like the idea that the Pelicans are still successful without Zion Williamson. Which I have to say, Zion, after being in Portland for I don't know how long for his rehab and his, his workouts and everything like that to make sure his, he'll be back from injury, he actually is now back with the New Orleans Pelicans and actually, I don't know, traveling with the team, but he was with the team at their facility in New Orleans for the past few times of this week. So that's also another good thing that I'm not saying Zion's going to come out for the playoffs. I don't believe so. But at least you can say that for next year, Zion won't just abandon ship. I mean, that's my personal belief, and I've always had that personal belief because I don't think New Orleans is actually a bad city. I don't think it's a bad basketball town either. I think the fan base is great. I mean, if Anthony Davis can go to the playoffs and go through the first round, I mean, anybody can do it in New Orleans. Small markets deserve to have that type of, you know, production. And San Antonio is a great example of that, and New Orleans is a great example of that. And if they made the play in over the Lakers, that would be a huge change in the shift of what NBA players will do in the offseason, especially those veterans who are looking to win a championship. Because LeBron, as I said before in the last podcast, is not a guarantee anymore. Terrific player, one of the best players of all time. But he's not a guarantee for a playoff anymore, let alone anything close to what a championship caliber team he had in that bubble. So that will definitely be a game tonight for the Lakers against the Pelicans that I'll be watching. I hope you'll be watching as well as Anthony Davis makes his debut for the first time since the middle of February. Now with all the NBA stuff out, we're going to go into a little bit of soccer. I usually end these podcasts with something that's kind of around the world or, or in the news right now. And in the United States, the big news right now is that we made the World Cup for the U.S. men's team. I mean, we actually did it. In probably a really close CONCACAF standings. Really close. Mexico ended up winning over Honduras the other night. And that boosted them to the second place. And of course we actually tied with Costa Rica. But we got the third place just because the amount of goals we scored. And I mean the teams we played. and the, I mean, It was just something that you can't make it up. You know what I mean? It was just the best scenario for us. At the time, before that game against Costa Rica the other night, we had to make sure that we didn't lose by six goals plus to make the World Cup. That was it. We lost 2-0 against Costa Rica, but that was good enough for us to make the World Cup. And I remember Polistic actually saying in an interview on Fox or with the CBS, I believe it was CBS actually, said on an interview with CBS that it feels weird because he doesn't like losing. However, he's just proud of everybody on that team. And that's the exact same way I felt from watching that game. It was weird, but you knew what the moment was. The moment of redemption since 2014. And then 2018 not making it. It's the redemption of now that we have an actual team. The national soccer team here in the United States. That can actually go all the way. And I don't really want to hear all the... You know, all oh, the Europe teams are so great, and and what about you know you have England now in your table now. I really don't want to hear it because I've seen us in the table of death before and still somehow compete. You know, 
I mean, right now, they did actually the draw for the tables for the World Cup this afternoon when I was at work. So I was, like, making sure that I was always refreshing, refreshing. What it is for the United States is that we're in the table with Iran, England, and then a Euro playoff team, which could either be Wales, Ukraine, or Scotland. And honestly, out of all those teams, I do not want to go against Wales just because Bale is a real monster on the pitch. I really do not want to go against Wales. And then Ukraine is a possible team out there. I don't know how good their team is in soccer-wise, but it might be better than Scotland. I don't believe that Scotland has that good of a team out there internationally, at least against the United States. But the United States, I think, have a great chance to at least make second place in that table. Well, my apologies, in that group, and actually go on to the uh, kind of the tournament stage that they have over there in the World Cup. And hopefully, pass the round of 16, maybe a top 18. I mean, we're, I think we're top 20 right now, or one of the top 20 teams in the world right now, according to the FIFA rankings. So I, I really do believe that we have a real chance in that group. And the England game, very interesting. I mean, come on. You know, United States versus England. Been, I mean, that's been a good matchup since, like, 1776, you know. So that's basically all we have for today. Today is April Fool's Day, being that of April 1st. And I want to thank you again for joining in on the Courtside Podcast. Please feel free to leave a subscribe button. If you are a subscriber, thank you for listening again. And if you aren't a subscriber... I hope you subscribe to me as well to our sponsors on YouTube and Highway Temptation and Captain Barbo's channel. Thank you, and I hope you have a good night. We'll see you on Monday.